On this edition of the Desert News Youth Insiders Podcast, we look back at Utah's big win over USC and look ahead to Friday night's battle in the Rose Bowl with UCLA. We talk about Jack Tuttle's departure and visit with Mike Runge. That and more on the Desert News Youth Insiders Podcast. This is former pollster and Utah alum David Spadafore, 45-year lobbyist at the Utah State Legislature. And you and I are both listening to the Deseret News Ute Insiders podcast. It's going to be great. Dirk Facer, Amy Donaldson, Mike Sorensen, and Trent Wood, the amazing foursome. Go Utes! Welcome to the show. Before we get started today, our hearts are out to the family of Lauren McCluskey, the University of Utah track athlete who was murdered on campus last week. It's been a tough week for everybody up on the hill, and just wanted to let you know that uh, although we're going to talk about football today, our hearts are saddened by the loss up there. Amy Donaldson had a chance to uh, report on the events up on the hill, and we're going to turn time over to her right now. Instead of a moment of silence, we thought we'd bring you a moment of inspiration, courtesy Lauren McCluskey. We honor her with the words of her coach and her teammates. Lauren McCluskey was an outstanding young woman. She was a joy to coach, said Utah head track and field coach Kyle Kepler. When you recruit a student athlete, you try to understand them, get to know them. When you bring them on campus, you have an idea of what you want them to be or what you think they can be. And I think Lauren exceeded in all of those areas. Eliza Hansen, there are no words to describe the pain and loss we're feeling as a team right now. Lauren has always given 110% in everything she did. The loss of her sweet spirit to our team is truly devastating. Mesa Weidel, she was an amazing, genuine, and caring person, and she will be really missed. Rainy Helm Wheelock added, We are beyond blessed to have had her as our teammate and our sister, and we will always miss her, and we will always love her. In addition to being a talented, relentlessly hardworking athlete, Lauren was an honor student, a loyal friend, and a woman of faith who served the communities in her hometown of Pullman and in her adopted home of Salt Lake. At a vigil honoring her life, student athlete Shannon McNatt suggested that we honor Lauren by reaching out to one another and being kind to each other in Lauren's memory and in Lauren's honor. We join with her in asking you to reach out to someone, to take the time to talk to someone, to be kind to someone, and keep Lauren in your thoughts as you do so. All right, thanks, Amy. Uh, let's jump into football, guys. Uh, let's look back on uh, on last week's win over USC. Trent, what did you like? Obviously, they got contributions from all three phases, and uh, I think the score looked closer than the game actually was. Yeah, I mean, I liked everything, basically. I don't know if there's a lot you can nitpick about that win. It was one of their <clears throat> best of the year by far. Mike, how do you see the uh, three-game win streak? What's contributed to that? Is it just the offense coming to coming to fruition yeah we kind of take the uh, defense for granted now and they were outstanding last week you know they uh, gave up what barely 200 yards and that maybe 100 yards really because they gave a lot up at the end of the game but you know what really impressed me most was the the passing game you know we've talked about the running game all year Zach Moss you know he had another good game but and you know the passing game has been kind of inconsistent and it's always been Britton Covey but last week you know they got you know uh, Samson Nakua had five catches uh, Brant Keithy had four. Solomon Enos got a touchdown pass. Jamison Field, we haven't heard of him all year. Uh, he suddenly had a couple passes. And uh, Damari Simpkins. So, you know, they spread around with all these different guys. And that's a great sign because they kind of rely on Britton Covey to do everything. And now they got some other guys to help him out. Yeah, that's true. Trent, obviously, the game didn't start off the way Utah wanted. Did you sense there was any panic at all when they were down 14 zip? 
Um, I know a lot of people outside the team were panicking. Talking to the team afterward, there was zero panic at all, and they always talk about how there's going to be adversity in every game, and it doesn't matter when it happens, it's just going to happen, and they have to be ready for it. And I mean, those two opening scores were so fluky. The The touchdown to Pittman went right through Marquise Blair's hands. They had him double-covered. He just made a great jump on the ball. And then the Tyler Huntley fumble, there's nothing you can really do about that. So I don't know if the team was nervous at all. There was a positive. It was that a local boy picked up the ball and ran it in. But uh, I'm sure that's never good when you're buying Ute tickets, is it? <laughs> Unless you're a diehard Bingham fan. Absolutely. J.T. Pelley with that. Um, Utah went on to sweep the Pac-12 awards. It's only happened, I think, four times in the history of the conference. Tyler Huntley getting Offensive Player of the Week, Chase Hansen Defensive Player of the Week, and Matt Gay Special Teams Player of the Week. Mike, did that surprise you that they swept all three awards? Yeah, it really surprised me because, you know, I think the Pac-12, they like to spread it around. And you think somebody must have had a good week. You know, I didn't really look at it closely to see which other teams had, you know, great performances. But you'd think that somebody would have uh, come up in one of those categories. I think they were very deserving. I think, you know, Matt Gay might have been a bit of a stretch. You know, he just had a couple of field goals and some extra points. But, um, yeah, that was a surprise. But it's, a, you know, they were all well-deserving of it. And I don't know if it's ever going to happen again, especially for Utah. Yeah, I found it interesting when looking that up that Oregon State has done it twice. Yeah, you know, I noticed wow. that. That was of all weird. the teams. <laughs> the Beavers did it twice. But uh, um, another thing that happened is uh, the win put Utah back in the top 25. That's five years in a row now. And Chase Hansen weighed in on that. We acknowledge it. And, you know, it feels good to kind of be in that top 25. But uh, like Coach was saying, there's just a lot of football last week. We try not to pay too much attention to it. Obviously, uh, getting ranked is a big deal, but not a big deal per se. Where do you guys see on that trend? Do you think it's a big deal? I mean, I guess we can't say it's a big deal till next week, right? When the college football playoff bowl comes out. Right. Until then, it's all just for fun. What do you yeah. think, Mike? Yeah, I agree. You know, it's a fun thing for the fans, and it's good to have the attention of the, you know, the people around the nation suddenly see Utah popping into the top 25 because you know, they don't really hear much about them, I think, being on the West and everything, and they've kind of been under the radar this year so far. But, you know, they have a great chance now if they keep this thing going, they could move up quickly and, you know, get, you know, who knows if they, if they keep winning, they could get close to the top 10. But like Trent said, it's the main one is the, is the big poll for the, um, the FC, what do you call it again? The, college football playoff. Yeah, college football. I keep thinking of FCS and all Sponsored these different by things. by Dr. Pepper, right? yeah. But that's the one that counts. And I, think, I don't think that's going to be really, you know, that's not going to affect Utah unless they can, you know, jump up to the top four, which isn't going to happen this year. So it's, it's, it's nice to have a ranking. But, you know, it's remarkable. If you look at it, I mean, Utah, the wins against, you know, Stanford, Arizona, USA, that's a remarkable run for any team in the Pac-12. And like you said, Utah's kind of set themselves up. I think getting ranked is, is obviously the you know the product of those victories, and now they'll see what they can do. You know, one of the remarkable things is that they've been able to do this without their starting center. Trent, what do you think? Uh, the offensive line was a little suspect early in the year, but even with some adversity, they're coming together. Yeah, it's impressive. I know that Orlando Umana's played really good at that center position, and you don't want to say they're better without a guy like Lowe. Falamaka, who is all Pac-12 honors, supposed to be a great lineman, but they've definitely rallied together in his absence. And Mike, they may have found a center after Lowe graduates. Yeah, that's good for the future, you know, because they got uh, Lowe being a senior, but I'm surprised too, because a lot of times the center position is kind of one of those positions where, you know, you can kind of move around the other ones and, you know, you got to block, but you know, you got that snap you got to take care of, and, I've, and we've remembered a couple of past years where the snap hasn't worked as well, right. and you get a new guy in there, and uh, so far 
far, it seemed to be pretty smooth. Yeah, Jackson Barton, uh, the biggest guy on the line, you know, he's a good friend of Lowe's and that, and he weighed in on this for us and uh, had some interesting things to say about it. Um, the game of football I learned is that obviously you don't want your starting guys to get hurt, but when somebody does get hurt, it's we have a mindset here. It's like next man, pick up the rifle and get to it. Right. And uh, I'm really proud of Orlando Omana because he's really stepped up in there and really took it on their role of center and has been doing a great job of it. And uh, I never really worried about it to begin with because I know Coach Harding is a good offensive line coach. I know he would help Orlando understand the whole center scheme because it's a little – if I would say there's any difficult position on the team, I would believe center is the most because, one, you got to get the snap every play right on the money. And uh, he's done a really good job under that pressure, and especially when he's playing guards the last two weeks before he stepped in. So he's been doing a really good job. And then you get Mo back in there, you think it'll be a seamless transition when Mo does come back? Yeah, you know, I'm excited to get Lowe back. We always talk about how our senior season's going by really fast, and uh, I love playing next to him. But it's good to have him back. It never hurts to have an offensive lineman come back, strengthen the group back up. But uh, I was never worried with him out of it. So only good things for him. Even better things that he's back. Well, Lowe's coming back, backup quarterback or third string quarterback, Jack Tuttle, is not. How big of a blow is that, guys? Uh, Mike, what do you think as far as the recruiting world or maybe college football world in general? looking at Utah unable to hold on to a blue-chip quarterback. I think it's going to blow in the fact that you had a four- or five-star quarterback that you've, the, you know, they kept talking about he's the highest-rated quarterback in history, and now he suddenly leaves after two months of the season. You know, that's a big deal, but I think in the long range, if you look at down the line, I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal because, for one thing, uh, Jack Tuttle is a is a pro-style drop-back quarterback. I don't know, when, when was the last time Utah had a, a a drop back quarterback. Maybe it was a couple years. I mean, you well, think back though, it's been a, while. It's been a yeah, while. It's been a I while. think back to Scott Mitchell, you know. Well, you know, it's funny you should say Scott Mitchell because I talked to some recruiting uh, service people and they said, you know, Jack Tuttle was the highest rated quarterback since they've been rating quarterbacks the way they do. But they said that Scott Mitchell may have been the highest oh, okay. had he been, you know, put under the same microscope that Jack Tuttle is. But, you know, you've had Brian Johnson and uh, Travis Wilson, all these guys who can run and throw. And if Jack Tuttle really wasn't a, a you know, a typical, run-pass option quarterback, and that's what they got on the program now with Shelley. And apparently this new guy that they've, they're have they recruiting that might come next year is the same way. It's just the way the offense is set up. As long as Troy Taylor's there, you know, I'm thinking that's, and that may not happen because they never had an offensive coordinator more than a couple of years. But if he stays... <laughs> He probably would like to have that type of quarterback that can run and pass rather than just a drop-back quarterback like uh, Tuttle was. Yeah, it seems in college football you need to dual threat these days to really take off, and obviously Ted does. Trent did a remarkable job. He got an interview with the Jaden Daniels character that we're all talking about here. Um, he obviously liked his visit, and can you maybe expound on what kind of, what he would bring to the program? Would that soften the blow of losing Jack Tuttle? Oh, for sure. I mean, he uh, he's racking up the stats in high school in California. He's a four star recruit at every major recruiting service, and he was he was genuinely excited about his Utah visit. Talking to him, he just loved everything about the pregame, everything about the team. He was just excited to be visiting Utah. And you had the opportunity to visit with him, and nobody else did. So good job, good scoop for the Deseret News. You get a chance. Chance, folks, you want to read more about that, you go back to DeseretNews.com and look up that story because uh, we were the only ones that had it. Good job. What do you guys think of uh, thoughts on Utah's Jason Shelley? Let's say he's kind of the man in the middle here. If they bring somebody else in, he's he's the number two guy right now. Do you think the Ute should give him more of an opportunity, Mike? Do you think, are you surprised he hasn't played in 
garbage time a little bit more? Well, he has he has twice, I guess, right? And they really right. haven't had, I guess last week he maybe had a little bit, but they haven't had that many chances to. But when he has had a chance to play, and then you have to just kind of take it with a grain of salt. I mean, he's playing late in the game against maybe not the number one guy sometimes, depending on who the other team puts in there. So, you know, I, I really don't, it's, you know, he looks good. I mean, he, he seems to be able to be fast, and he's, he's thrown a couple of good passes. But as far as, uh, you know, it's, it's always nice to get him as much experience as they can but they just have to and maybe this will be a week you know the you know if UCLA is you know if they drop out early and Utah kind of takes over maybe he'll have a chance but yeah you got to be able to just give these guys some chances the last half of the quarter if they can last of the fourth quarter yeah, and, and obviously there's um, there's times when you can get guys in maybe just you know in the first three quarters first four quarters just to mix things up but Utah really hasn't had had to do that Trent, what do you think I mean is, is his opportunity going to come at the end of games or are they going to be able to insert him for a, a series or two I mean the real truth is as long as they keep winning his contribution will be negligible at best because the only time backup quarterbacks really get a real opportunity is when their team's getting blown out and Utah fans don't want that and that hasn't happened this year and so I mean the end of the games with Kyle Whittingham they're going to run the ball and he's not going to get a real opportunity to see what he can do so I don't think you're going to see anything from him until years from now and obviously the backup quarterback is probably the best looking guy on the team to most fans to most things but Tyler Huntley has really stepped up and silenced his critics don't you think last three weeks yeah he has and I guess the only thing we have to worry about is him getting injured you know he got injured last year missed two and a half games and seemed like every year somebody the quarterback gets injured at some point so that's the thing you have to keep your finger Fingers crossed for Utah that you you might have to use Jason Shelley, and then you don't have much after him now with Tuttle with being gone. So as long as, as Huntley can stay healthy, um, you're not going to be able to see, you're not going to see much of Jason Shelley. And yeah, you know, Jason Shelley's looked really good in practice, and at least the times we've been able to see him and, and that. And he's a sharp kid. And you look at his high school uh, huddle films, and they're fantastic. The guy can play, but uh, like you said, it's going to be able to see what he can fully do. Is probably going to take an injury to Huntley, have him be out there on the field and do it because at the end of games he's not going to get that opportunity. But uh, you know, I think bottom line, even with the loss of Tuttle, Utah's quarterback situation, uh, knock on wood, as long as they stay healthy, is is pretty good right now. I think Shelley's a good backup. And then uh, Amy's favorite, Drew Lisk, is waiting in the wings. So <laughs> we'll see. All right, now let's look ahead to the Friday's game with UCLA. Are the Bruins as bad as their record, Trent? Do you think they're really – I mean, they've won their last two games. But they, they started the season with five losses. They seem to be getting better. And in fairness, in their losses, they were not blown out by most of the people they played. They didn't look great at the beginning. I think they're getting better. I don't know if they're a good team or you'd call them a good team, but they're improving. Mike, it's always a challenge when you're on the road and going to the Rose Bowl is kind of pro- has to be a thrill for a lot of these players who've never been there just to play in that stadium. But are they hitting UCLA at the wrong time, obviously, coming off back-to-back wins? Yeah, I think uh, you know UCLA, I mean, they've scored a lot of points the last two weeks, so you've got to be wary of that. They scored 68 points in two weeks, and... Uh, but uh, and Utah seems to have handled UCLA pretty well in recent years for the most part. They lost that close game up here at home, what, two or three years ago. But uh, I guess uh, the hope that the Utes don't get distracted by the, uh, by the, the Red Sox playing up the road uh, on Friday night, you know. So I think that uh, UCLA will bring a challenge, but if Utah's focused, they should be able to get through that game. Trent, what do you think is the primary concern going in? What do you think the mostly on the minds of the Utes this week? I mean, 
Concerns are a hard one. I think the Utes are feeling really good about themselves. They've been playing really well. I mean, like Mike talked about, UCLA's offense is improving, and everybody knows that Chip Kelly's offense is really successful. Unfortunately for UCLA, it's a run-first offense, and Utah's run defense is fantastic. So I don't know if the concerns are that big. Yeah, you look at their offensive rankings. I mean, they're last in the Pac-12 in scoring, last in total offense, uh, last in passing, ninth in rushing. I mean, when that's the thing you do best, and that happens to be the thing Utah does best and leads the nation in defending the run, not a good scenario. But are you guys surprised Chip Kelly's uh, struggled this much? I, I, I believe he lost uh, seven games maybe the whole time he was at Oregon over four years. He's already got five losses on him in half a season at UCLA. Does that surprise you? Because I didn't really think that was a, a rebuilding project down there. I thought there would be some tweaking in that, but it looks like it's a whole-scale uh, remodel down in uh, West yeah, I think most uh, coaches, when they come in like that, they like to start over. They let, they bring in a lot of their own players. Uh, I don't know how many players left the program because when they changed the coaches. But I'm not really surprised because they, you know, I think first-year coaches, that's just how it goes lots of times. You know, they kind of give them a pass the first year, kind of get things going, and people don't expect a lot. Um, and also, I, I'm, I guess I'm not surprised. If you look at his, his record the last four or five years before he went there, in the pros, it wasn't that great. So, I mean, you know, he had a great thing going up at Oregon, but he's not like, maybe just not the super coach everybody assumes he is, and, and who knows if he, who, we'll find out in five years, you know, what, just how good of a college coach he is at UCLA. You know, he's, oh, go ahead. Sorry. I think context also matters with his Oregon days, because he inherited a program that was already built at Oregon, whereas UCLA was not good last year, they weren't really good the year before, so he's rebuilding a team, as opposed to he inherited an already good team and just made them better. Well, and you know, he's a very blunt guy, kind of a grumpy guy, and, and interviewed this week, they one of the writers asked him, uh, you know, what do you like best about your back-to-back victories? And he said, points scored, points against. Huh. That's, that's the, I mean, that's all you really need, right? It's like, thank you. I'm on my way to type in a story. So thanks for the help. Uh, anything else you see as good storylines? I mean, I think one of the good storylines is Utah's defense leads the nation in against the run. And they're getting a chance to play on a big stage in Los Angeles. I realize it's a late game and that often gets ignored and all that. But, you know, it doesn't hurt to play uh, in a big market like that and show what you can do. I think the biggest thing Utah has to watch out for is just like the fluke things that happened last week. You know, we went forward on fourth down and they went down and scored right away. They lose a fumble, they're down 14 nothing. You know, and that, luckily they were able to come back and, and they had poise enough to do that. But sometimes those things happen and you're on the road and all of a sudden things start to snowball and before you know it, you know, you're down maybe 21 to nothing and you can't come back. So I think if Utah just plays a regular game plan, don't make uh, stupid mistakes that they should be able to be fine. John, what do you see? You see any storylines that you're going to keep an eye on? I think it'll be fun to watch Utah's running game, particularly Zach Moss. UCLA is awful against the run. They're really bad defending the run. In the past two games, I think they've given up 200-plus yards on the ground. So if Zach Moss is going to have a game, it'll be in this game, and he could run wild. All right. We appreciate that, guys. Let's uh, look ahead to our Pac-12 South Pick'ems. Uh, I've got four games on the agenda this week. Uh, let's just jump into it. Uh, no one wanted to be our guest picker this week, so uh, it would be really cool if a sponsor stepped forward and said, I'd like to be a sponsor and the guest picker. That's what we're holding out for. Uh, let's go with Oregon State at Colorado. For weeks I've said Colorado is not for real, but they better be for real in Boulder against the Beavers. They should win big. What do you think, Mike? Oh, man, uh, Oregon State, uh, is their worst team in college football? I mean, they, they, they played Cal last week, who, was, who got bombed by UCLA the week before by 30 points, and Cal beats them by 42 points. 
they've really got to be bad. And I, you can kind of understand why uh, Gary Anderson left that program because it uh, it's obviously has its troubles. But uh, I would I would see at Colorado they should win very easily. Okay. To your question, Mike, Rutgers is worse, but <laughs> it's close. Um, I mean, it's Colorado by at least two touchdowns, if not more. All right, let's jump down to the Oregon and Arizona game. Uh, two teams that maybe are a little better than people thought, maybe a little worse than people thought. Uh, I'm going to take the Ducks just because I think Arizona is falling apart. This is just a shocking day. You pick Colorado and Oregon to win games, and you've hated on both schools. Oregon's going to win. It's not going to be close. I'm going to pick Arizona just to be different because I think they've they've been so bad that they're suddenly going to find something, and Oregon would look, looked kind of shaky last week. So I'll throw a wrench into the works, and I'll go with Arizona and then a big upset. Big game in Tucson. All right, let's jump to the uh, divisional game featuring Arizona State and USC. Um, I guess the question is, is USC going to pull themselves back up, or is Arizona State good enough? I mean, there's a couple storylines there. I'm going to take USC. Trent? USC is down to their third-string quarterback because Utah knocked out their first and second strings last week. I'm going to go with ASU. I'm tempted to go with ASU also. I think, uh, but USC, after losing last week, uh, I think they're going to you know, pop back and and take care of Arizona State. And I th- I think though this is one game where Utah needs to look at because that's this is the best chance for another team to knock off USC. Looking at the rest of their schedule, so if it doesn't happen this week, Utah really has to run the table to to edge right. out USC. It's for huge the, in that regard. Yeah. So, um, but I still think USC being at home, it's pretty it's going to be a pretty even game. The fact that they're at home, I'll give them the edge. All right. Before we get to the Utah-UCLA game, just a reminder that our Pick'em segment is sponsored by Deseret News Grid Picks. Jump online, make some picks, see if you're smarter than us. It wouldn't be too hard, would it, guys? Probably not. Here we go. So let's uh, let's go to Utah-UCLA Friday night game in the Rose Bowl. i got to think Utah's going to carry this momentum through. I mean, this could be a quote-unquote trap game, but... Uh, I have a feeling just the fact that all three phases are coming together right now that even if one, maybe even two, fail them, they could still beat UCLA. So I'm going to take the Utes. Trent? Yeah, I think Utah's going to win. They're going to score 40 points again. They're just going to keep rolling. Mike? Uh, I'll pick Utah, but I think it might be closer than people think, you know, um, which might just be under three touchdowns, maybe two touchdowns. But uh, I think UCLA will give them a little bit of trouble and a little maybe unexpected trouble. But uh, unless something really flukish happens, Utah should uh, win, you know, fairly comfortably. All right. Well, thanks for the picks, guys. Uh, you know what time it is? What time, time is, is it? it? It's time for Utah by five. This week I had the opportunity to catch up with Mike Rungi, who does the public address at the Ute football games. He's done that for four 40 years now, and there's an opportunity to catch up with him. He actually is friends with uh, Tom Barberi, who uh, leads us into it. So, Tom, take it away. I'm Tom Barberi, and it's time for Utah by Five, where we catch up with the people who built the program we love. All right, we're joined by Mike Rungy. Thanks for joining us. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, you said the over-under of you doing PA for Utah football games might be about 40 years. You know, I, I get asked that question an awful lot, Dirk, and it's, it's, I, I, I swear to you, I cannot remember exactly when I started. Uh, I will tell you that a friend of mine named Neil Hansey was the PA person here, and he was asked to be Bill Marcroft's spotter color color guy on radio. Right. And so Neil had to leave, and then I got the call from the U that said, okay, <laughs> uh, would you come up and do this? I said, sure. You know, I can fit it in my schedule. Why not? And it's a kick. You know, it's, it's really fun. People don't understand that. There's a lot of preparation that goes into that, though. You don't just show up and just uh, call. I imagine you have to, you know, do a little preparation each week. Not a lot. 
Really? Literally not a lot. I show up. In fact, let's let's go back to the beginning. I've never had a contract with the University of Utah. I don't know that I'm going to be the PA announcer <laughs> until probably a month before the football season starts. Oh, you're kidding. And maybe two weeks. They'll call me and say, okay, you ready to go? I said, and do what? Who is this? <laughs> so anyway, um, that's how it started. But I, um, uh, Neil Hansey had been in, and, and they asked me to do it, and so I started doing it. And I believe it was in the, the Wayne Howard era of, of some really radical coaches. Uh, I can tell you a little story that I remember about Wayne Howard and his gang. They would go out. They were a wild bunch. And I always remember them. Uh, I, I used to get stories about him going to local bars and they would um, eat the uh, glasses of the beer glasses they were drinking. They would actually eat the glass. And I thought, okay, I'm going to stay way away from these guys. <laughs> Don't blame me. That it. was the early days. Well, you tell me, uh, obviously you've outlasted uh, a lot of coaches here. And we, a few minutes ago you kind of went through the pecking order. So Wayne Howard. Wayne Howard, Chuck Stobart, uh, Jim Fossil. Um, Ron McBride and of course Urban Meyer and now uh, Kyle I, I remember it's a reminisce just a little bit I remember when when uh, Jim Fossil um, was let go and um, there was a very emotional news conference I don't know if you remember this I was story. at that okay yes. when, and we were both there and, and uh, there were tears in, in a lot of people's eyes when they announced that uh, Ron was coming on Ron had uh, we have a history that goes way back when he was the offensive coordinator here or defensive coordinator or whatever he was but anyway, a close relationship with Ron, and it was it was really fun to have him here. And and of course, in my mind, he built the undefeated team that Ur- Urban Meyer inherited. Right. So he it was it was Ron's players. So that was a big deal. In all the years you've done this, I mean, is this fun? This is going to be kind of a fun job for you when the Utes are home on a Saturday for a football game, or would you rather sit in the stands some days? I I would never like to sit in the stands. In fact, <laughs> uh, because Tom Barberi was one of your first interviews on this, and Tom announces your podcast, um, and you know, Tom and, and Barberi and I uh, were in radio together for 20 years, and Tom would always say to me, are you crazy? Why aren't you sitting in the stands with us? We're having a great time out there. I said, hold on a second. I'm inside. They're feeding me, and I'm warm. <laughs> You're out said. there in the rain and the wind. And anyway, yeah, I love it. It's it's plus now that I'm retired from from television and doing all the other things that I've done all my life. Um, it gives me six or seven weekends um, a year to look forward to, and it's it's I really look forward to it. It's, it really is fun. Yeah, when we visited, you talked about how you got started in this business and that, and it, it's kind of crazy to think a, a stockbroker became. A, the voice of the Utes and a, a broadcasting legend in the area. And that, are you? When you look back, has it been a remarkable ride in your opinion? What you've done. I'm I'm married to a local girl, Mary, and, and I always say that Mary is the cause of my career. And I and I firmly believe that other people would hoo ha and say, "No, you would have done this, you would have done that." But but because of her connections with the Salt Lake Golden Eagles, the hockey club here in 1969 thereabouts, that's how I got to doing. Uh, a sports announcing. Somebody else uh, heard my voice and, and said, wanted to do radio. Um, uh, that evolved into being the general manager of the Salt Lake Golden Eagles, and that evolved into going to TV. It was just happenstance. It's like serendipity. It's like, how did you plan this? I said, I have no idea. Um, I, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I didn't want to go to college. I was a high school jock in Klamath Falls, Oregon, and I didn't know what I wanted to do there. I wound up in, in Redding, California at Shasta College playing basketball, baseball, and tennis, and um, I thought I was going to be a major league baseball player. I grew up in Chicago, Illinois. 
Oh, Evanston, actually. I wanted to play for the Cubs. I was a pitcher. But then I met my first wife, and it was like, uh, sports is out the window. And we got married and had a, a delightful young lady. We got divorced. I wound up in the Army. In fact, with Barberry, I always said, um, I've had 50 jobs. He says, no, you haven't. I said, so I started listening to him. And, and I had 50-plus things in my life. I just like working. And somehow I wound up in broadcasting, and, and here we are to this day. It's just it blows my mind. Well, thanks for joining us, Mike. I appreciate it. Not at all, Drew. Nice talking to you. Pleasure to listen to your stories. All right, we want to thank Mike Rungi. That was a fun interview. I had a chance to sit down with him before the game the other night and uh, heard all sorts of war stories, and it was very interesting. Good man. He was on Channel 13 for several years, worked for the Golden Eagles, been around, and he knows what he's talking about. So thanks again, Mike. Um, Guys, as we wrap this thing up, Mike, what do you have in the paper this week? Uh, As far as Utah stuff, I had a story on Brant Keithy, who's the uh, freshman tight end. You know, he's only 18 years old. He's a twin of Blake, who's a defensive end who uh, unfortunately tore his ACL and he can't play this year. But I think Brant's been maybe one of the uh, brightest uh, surprises on the team this year. You know, playing as a true freshman at a, at, a, at a position like tight end, usually those guys, you know, have to get bigger and stuff. But he's an undersized tight end. But uh, he's really, he had four catches last week. He has 10 on the season, which is more than all the tight ends last year combined had. So I think he's, he's a star in the making just because he's, he's a former running back, former receiver. But he's, when he bulks up, he'll be a tight end, and he'll be one of these guys who can – catch and run and he might be a, a star for the next three or four years hey Trent I mean I talked about Tyler Huntley and just how his game against USC was arguably the best of his career Kyle Whittingham agreed said it was for sure the best game he'd played despite some of the games that he's had appreciate it. well guys just a reminder listeners that uh, DeseretNews.com has daily Utah Ute stories we encourage you to log on to DeseretNews.com and read with these guys and even with this old guy here, has to write during the week. So I invite you to do that. A reminder, you can download the podcast off the website. You can also get us, get us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and wherever fine podcasts are located. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Bye-bye now.